Someday you too might work for Terry Drew. You, you never know when you might be able to work 80 hours a week and <laughs> for a thankless be careful, boss. <laughs> be careful what you ask for. <laughs> no, okay, parting shot, real parting shot. What's it like to work for Terry? This segment of DOD TV is brought to you by Leopold, American to the core. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Drury Outdoors 100% Wild Podcast, episode 204. I'm Tim Chelsvick. I'm Matt Drury. We have a wild one today. We do. We do. <laughs> We've got, uh, well, a young man who Terry Drury has described as industrious, <laughs> a great cook, uh, like the son he always wanted, uh. a land steward. <laughs> Well, I can agree with most of those. <laughs> so if, if this guy wants to take my role here at the office, he can have, have it. at it. Because <laughs> it comes with a lot of strings attached. Take this job. <laughs> and shove it. <laughs> yes. so, uh, so we'll introduce uh, Forrest Bond in, in just a little bit here, but we've got some shout outs from our fans or maybe not fans, but people that People. Happen to have been subjected to the show. <laughs> They've encountered the show. All right, <laughs> yeah. you're up first. Let's hear it. Uh, Mr. Lincoln Haynes from DeerCast said, I entered in for my dream hunt with you guys, and I can't wait for the draw. I can't wait. And he's referring to the hunt giveaway that we're doing with Mark and Terry this fall. Yeah. So, hey, if you haven't entered yet, you ought to enter. Because we have, not you. <laughs> oh, the I can't. The quote unquote you, the audience. Oh, okay. Collective. So yeah, we, uh, we have a couple months left on it. Not, I mean, you know, end I of think July, the end of July, yep. end of July or end of June. We, we stopped I the, I believe it's end of July. You wrote the rules. So uh, <laughs> we can make it whatever we want, really. But the hunt is this fall. Yeah. So it's, you know, we always get questions. I'd love to hunt with Mark and Terry. I'd love to hunt your place. If I could hunt your place, yada, yada, yada. Blah, Here blah, blah. Here you go. Here's Seinfeld. your chance. <laughs> and we're going to be ready. Any weapon, weapon of your choice. You get to hunt with Mark two days in Missouri, Terry two days in Missouri. And uh, as a person that's hunted with Terry several days in Missouri, it's a good time. You get to encounter people like Forrest. And you get to eat his cooking. <laughs> it's good. So we'll have to talk about that too. We, we upgraded when Yapper stopped coming to camp. And for people that may not know, Terry's longtime BFF. Mm-hmm. And uh, and when Forrest started coming, it was a much different um Choice of food. Yeah. uh, Basically, when Yapper was there, you got burnt, uh, some sort of burnt meat and some sort of burnt (laughs) potatoes and some sort of burnt biscuits. Your burnt meat. (laughs) Who wants man meat? Who likes their sloppy joes? (laughs) I know how you boys like an extra sloppy. Yeah. I would have loved sloppy joes. It was never that good. Some people have it and some people don't. (laughs) So, Aaron, but this would be like back when Aaron Bennett was working for us and, you know, he was dad's farm guy for sure. a while and, and Liam Andrew and all that and and camera survived. guy and survived. We've had a long list of survivors. <laughs> They're in a club with PTSD. <laughs> they all go to support. So, so Yapper would just, he, he's a real grumpy guy. So him and Terry together, oh, they are... I Two mean, grumpy old man. It's like a volcano's just fixed and exploded anytime. <laughs> a lot of sour grapes. So. Yeah, a lot of sour grapes. Exactly. <laughs> so, Aaron and I would always give him like, "Hey, hey, old man, what's for you know? What's for breakfast? What's for you know?" He just I love that. Yeah. So we never got anything that was very quality, but I think it was on purpose. I, I'd like to think it was on purpose because if he's that bad of a cook, God I don't know why him. he keeps volunteering to do it. <laughs> Some people have like. 
like guarding you. You got a green thumb or you don't. Some people are good in the kitchen and some people should just stick to eating. I'll stick to eating. <laughs> yeah, but, it's fair. You know, when no, you think lame. of deer camp, and you like those grumpy old guys, like that's the best part of camp. And yeah. I haven't been up to dad's in a couple of years. He had a rough go at the HD. So I've been hunting at the lease or wherever else, you, you know, and better I better know <laughs> about myself. <Ew>. Yes. <laughs> so you skip a few years up there and you start to think, Hey, you know what? I'm not it's all good. <laughs> I can't hunt on my own and think for myself. Well, uh, one of my, so one of my favorites, I, I've shared a few uh, deer camps and turkey camps with Ray I. You talk about someone that can cook. Oh yeah. Holy cow. All I gotta do is follow him on Facebook to see <laughs> every, every meal's a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, everything's got butter in it. Everything's got gravy on it. Homemade There's, biscuits and lo- like everything looks great. Yeah, I call them cat head biscuits because yeah. they're all the size of a cat head. Yeah. Well, my point was gonna be like hunting camp, it doesn't get much better when you got those old guys, they've seen it, they've done everything. Uh-huh. You hear great funny stories about their glory days and like it's just that's camp, right? That's hunting camp. 100%. That's what I love about it. 100%. <laughs> well, long way. I don't know if that's Mr. Mr. Way's actual name, but he's on YouTube. All right. So long Pro- way says handle. I'm, I'm all about learning how to lay down the next big buck, but this podcast of many has to be my favorite. I think y'all hit a new stride. Great work guys. And I'm eating tonight a buck. Y'all helped me hunt down. Thanks to your family for mine. I wonder which podcast he's referring to. I think it was 201. Which was? I don't remember. They all blur together right now for me. This is my new favorite uh, comment from the guest. He said that this has to be his favorite. I'm starting to get into more podcast listening. I'm, you know, Uh so I'm back to kind of doing my cardio in the afternoons and at night when I'm at home or on the weekends or whatever. It's the weather's nice. It's just get out, clear your head, do some walking, run, whatever. So I'm getting back into the podcast and and catching up on some stuff. And, you know, I've listened to a few. I listened to Greg uh, Glessinger and Casey Morgan on uh, the Working Class uh, Bow Hunters podcast. It was good. Learned a lot there. I listened to uh, Michael Waddell and Tyler Jordan over on Michael's new podcast. It was good. Entertaining. So I'm, uh, you know, sharing, sharing my love of our industry and other fellow podcasters. And cuz has got a great show. Fistful of dirt. Well, no, that's Bobby Coles. Is it not? No, I think cuz is hosting, hosting fistful of dirt, but I mean, it's like a, it's like a revolving door of mossy oak people yeah, coming through yeah. there. So there, I got to get to that one. That's my next, because is always such a great podcaster. <laughs> so he's a great guest. We got to have him back on. It's been a little while. All right. Speaking of guests, we got a good one. We like got we earlier, a one. We, we, we got Forrest Bonin. He is uh, Terry's farm manager. Cameron chef. guy extraordinaire. Guy. Chef. Sonny never had. Land manager. <laughs> run, Forrest, run. Forrest, What's up, Forrest? Welcome. How much? How you guys doing? We're good. You know, um, we had a lot of great response when we had Wade on last year because people want to know behind the scenes. Like they want to know how how does Drury Outdoors manage property, manage land for mature deer, and how you know with the stewardship aspect. And so we thought, well, let's get the guys. You know, it literally boots on the ground in the field doing this work. Yeah, and there's a lot. You guys have done a lot of off season work here in the last two months or so, a lot of big projects. So I thought it was interesting because Tim the other day is like, Hey, what, 
podcast or what should we do for the podcast? And we both had this basically the same idea. I was like, we should have Terry on. He's like, I was actually thinking forest, you know, but for the same reason, all the things that are happening at the farm right now. It's better looking. And forest, yeah, well, you can... Hey man, the silver fox, he's got it going on. <laughs> that at home for you, you're like, that, that, those are my genes. Yeah, now listen here. <laughs> I'm only aging like a fine wine. Basically, I'm a mini version, which is scary to think about. <laughs> Hopefully not as crabby. Well. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so Forrest is going to give us a behind the scenes on how you manage a property. Like, what are your priorities this time of year? Obviously, it's spring and turkey season, but... Um, Terry and you, I, I know you guys are thinking far ahead. So what's kind of what's clear and present on your calendar right now in terms of land management and what's coming up? I mean, right now we're, we're getting really, really busy uh, getting ramped up, ready to get all our corn and beans planted. Um, that's kind of been the big priority these last few days. Cause um, I don't know about down there, but we've been getting a ton of rain up here. So we were really, really wet there for um, about two, three weeks. So we've really been ramping up the last few days as it's dried out and um, starting to spray, put our pre-emergent spray on, uh, get fields fertilized, go pick up all our corn and beans, um, all that stuff. And then while that's going on, we're also doing that huge logging project, which we had that piece on DeerCast about. Um, I'm sure you guys saw that. So um, we've been working with the loggers um, concurrently and going there, helping them out every day. And uh, we've had a lot of machinery breaking down. I've gotten pretty good at replacing hydraulic hoses on excavators Great. and um, high lifts and stuff, but we've been really, really busy with that project. So now, for, that's kind of our, our big thing right now. Okay. Well, what's the, what are some of the objectives in the logging project? So it's an area where we got a lot of white oaks on the farm. There's this really, this really big ridge and um, about five or six years ago, there was a really bad drought that went through here and a lot of those trees have been dying. And then we've gotten some real high winds the last couple of years we've had a lot of trees fall over, like a lot of really big, pretty white oaks um, that have fallen over and died. And it's just kind of like, man, it's, it's a shame to see a big tree like that kind of fall and rot on the ground and go to waste and stuff. So um, Terry and I were talking about it and he made the decision to go ahead and log um, just because for the sake of saving some of those trees, um, we're going in there, but it's also, it's a super big open ridge um, that the deer like to bed on there. So by allowing some of that light to go in there, we're opening it up and, hoping some of that kind of woody browse, some of those um, that undergrowth can come on up and thicken it up a little bit and give them better bedding cover uh, for the late season, give them a little bit of cover in there, a little more food to browse on. So Th this is no small feat for Terry to mentally prepare for this because he treats, I mean, that farm is like a golf course. It's very manicured. He's, he's really anal. I mean, the guy, no, no matter if it, you, you, you know, his house in Bloomsdale or wh whatever, wherever you're at, like things have to be a certain way. Always I, growing up. It's always been that. I always remember, you know, say, cause I used to work for him on the construction side or say you're whatever you're digging a ditch. He's going to get in there and show you how to dig the ditch. And then all of a sudden he dug the ditch <laughs> and like that kind of <laughs> That's thing. That's how you were supposed to have done it. <laughs> yeah. That one of those guys. So for him, it, the, Part of the reason why he bought the farm, you know, 15, 16 years ago, however long it was, he just loved the, it, the hardwoods are beautiful. I mean, uh -huh. it's a beautiful piece of property. And this is Northern Missouri. Northern Missouri. It's about what, like 20, 25 miles east of Kirksville, roughly. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, he's long wanted to, or known that he should do this, but he just has a hard time with, you know, cutting down intrusion. trees, intrusion for, you know, and, and heck you can't even 
you, you can't ride it, you know, four wheeler on the property. Like there's no intrusion on that place. It's very sacred, sacred. And, uh, so he, you know, for him to allow basically strangers to come in and, you know, and then kind of tear things up to, to get in there. And I mean, logging's obviously it's invasive, invasive. Incredibly. So this was no small feat for him to say, all right, let's do it. I mean, yeah. a lot of years probably where he wanted to do it, but finally, you know, he's like, all right, let's try this part of the farm, see how it goes. And, you know, Forrest, your background, we should probably backtrack a little bit. What was your degree in and what'd you go to school for? Uh, my degree was forestry and my specialization was wildlife habitat management and conservation. And then I had a minor in photography and media production. I thought the perfect I, guy. <laughs> I thought it was fashion design. I, <laughs> I'm chagrined yeah. right now. So, so forest obviously has that background that I think also helps Terry in a lot of ways, you know, make these decisions. Look, nobody's going to tell Terry what to do. Not Mark, <laughs> not Willa, not certainly not Matt yep. and certainly not forest. So you gotta, you got to work your way around it and say, all right, how do we, you know, what, what makes sense? And I think with force background, it certainly helps to make some of those decisions and dad, uh, for dad to trust someone like he trusts force, he obviously thinks very highly of him to, to, to know that when he's not there, force can go and take care of what needs to be done. Yeah. And, 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 you know, he trusts him, you know, when you trust somebody with the keys to your farm, that's a big deal. Saying a lot. Yeah. So, uh, force has the background. I wanted to get that in there because he has the background. He's literally the perfect fit for this, for this role. So, um, yeah, he's not some Wade Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think what does, I don't know what Wade's background is. So I don't I, but, remember offhand either. Yeah. I Wade, just remember his interview was <laughs> lackluster. Yeah. Wade's background was uh, learn as you go. And he's had to learn a lot. Yes. <laughs> he's, he too. He did it. He passed yeah, the test. He's been there a long time and he could be obviously Mark trusts him with his, with it, with everything. Uh -huh. So yeah. uh, these guys are, are key to our success or to Mark and Terry's success and all of our guests and yeah. what people see it, you know, on TV at home and, and on the stories and Instagram and all that stuff. These guys are the ones that are so integral with, with the things yeah. that are happening. So, you know, we, we, when we had Mark on a few weeks back, we were talking, he actually brought up the fact that he kind of has a Turkey management plan and he records the number of Jake's that they see and gobblers killed and everything. I'm, I'm curious for us, what kind of management, if any, are you guys doing for Turkey? Um, I mean, obviously Terry isn't, he's more focused towards the deer. I mean, we have, we do have a lot of turkeys and stuff, so, um, we don't really specifically do all that stuff like Mark does. I mean, we've been keeping track. We've had a lot of jakes this year. We had a really, really good hash this year. Mm -hmm. So we've kind of been watching our numbers and all that stuff. Um, but we don't necessarily plant any like food plots specifically for turkeys or anything like that. The one thing that you guys did do this off season was, I think was a little more predator predator control, which obviously helps, you know, the yeah. nest predation and, and all that. So I think, you know, that was something that he wanted to focus on going into this year as well. Yeah, we did. We had a uh, Trenton up and he came up for, I guess he was up for about two, a week and a half before Christmas there. And we trapped, um, should we trap like over a hundred coons, a few coyotes, some possums? Um, and it's, it seemed to really helped. I mean, we haven't seen near the coons we usually do this spring. So hopefully those going forward, um, Terry's actually talked about having him back up next year and continuing on and keep trapping those predators. And, um, hopefully that helps down the road. Cause we did have a super, super high coon population. 
It's so crazy you can pull that many animals off a piece of property and then in a year or two, they've just completely replenished. Like it's just an ongoing six battle. months. I mean, yeah. those are, that, that's They're crazy. Prolific. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 but, but it's, I mean, our, the, the city of St. Louis is here because of fur trading and the, and the trapping industry. And we've lost sight that that's a renewable resource. Like we talk all the time about being responsible stewards of the environment. Well, fur is a renewable resource and, and just that whole like process. It's too bad that trapping has become such a, like a fringe yeah. pastime. Anymore. Well, I think, you know, the, what you can get for, for prices are terrible. Yeah. And that, that, that's certainly, I think affected it in a major way. A lot of things affected it, but that was probably a, a, one of the most major things. Yeah. Sometime I'll have to tell you about my, uh, mountain man hat experience in the grocery oh, store. Okay. It's, uh, sure it's electrifying. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how about, uh, so you said you're, you're, uh, getting ready to plant corn and beans. Um, what about stand positions? I know it, it's it's early right now, but blinds, are you guys doing anything with maintenance or kind of looking at new stand locations? I mean, we kind of got like a sort of schedule, I guess. I mean, being here now, I kind of got the schedule down now. It's kind of planning time. And then um, once planning is over, then it goes into more tree stands and blinds and all that stuff. Um, if we get a day where, say, I can't work on um, planting or we get planted and are waiting because we typically have a little gap between planting our corn and beans there. Mm-hmm. Um, I may work on, we have a few muddy blinds we need to move um, that we want to move just a little bit, kind of fine tune them from last season. So I got those on my list of things to do. We got two of them we're wanting to move. And then um, later on here in the summer, then I'll go around and make sure to clean them all out, get all the flies, all that stuff and go around, check every tree stand set. That's a big thing, making sure all the straps are good. Uh, safe lines are in mm-hmm. steps are good to climb up just making sure they're safe trim and shooting lanes all that stuff typically that's a little bit later on in the summer here what's the weirdest thing you found in a blind the weird um we had one blind last year that we hadn't hunted in a couple of years and i went into it and I, I go and clean them out every summer but i went into it and there was a hole through the ceiling and a squirrel had climbed in there and built a nest and he was about as surprised as me when I opened up the door. <laughs> he went shooting up the wall of blinds <laughs> through the hole in the roof, said to patch that. And Hey, buddy, get out of my house. <laughs> Intruder. You're <a> squatter. <laughs> he literally, he had, he had a nest probably. Uh, it was big. It was like almost the size of one of those exercise balls in the corner of the blind at leaves and acorns and walnuts. And Did all you pick it up stuff. like one of those actually, like a medicine ball <laughs> in your arms? <laughs> well, I was worried another one of his little buddies might have been in there. So I was a little <laughs> he was probably thinking That's he hit the it. jackpot. He worked on the roof oh, for beautiful. months yeah. and finally got in. It's a great place to, to hang out. Yeah, not just <laughs> out of the elements. Shreds and <laughs> Store all dang. the nuts that you can possibly fit yeah. in that thing. Well, it's definitely a good one that you want to figure out before you climb in for your first hunt of the year. Yeah. You're face face to face with a colony of uh, fox squirrels. Yeah, Forrest, you guys this off season had you, you typically do this, and and you did again this off season. <clears throat> you guys uh, have some control burns that you guys do. So what goes into? I mean, you you burned a lot of dirt there, and, and there was a probably a week stretch, a few days in a row where you guys, you and I think Zach helped you, and I, I don't know who else was there, but you really burnt a lot of ground. So what, what are some of the things that you guys t- tell us, take us through the process and tell us kind of the why and, and how you go about it. Okay. So we got probably on this, on Terry's farm here, we got about 175 acres we burn. And then 
Um, like you said, Zach Flail came and helped burn. We went out to John Williams and burned, and then we actually ended up helping one of our neighbors burn some stuff too. He used to work for MDC um, in their burn unit, so he comes over and helps us burn every year, and then we return the favor and help him burn. Um, so over the course of two weeks there, we burn probably 350 to 400 acres. Uh, so we go in and the goal is just to burn off all the, all the old dead material. Um, those warm season grasses just get super, super thick. And by burning it off, you open it up, you restore some nutrients in the soil and um, give room for those new, that new growth to come on. And it just it helps thicken it up, uh, gives the deer better bedding cover. And it's also helped them. Um, we've noticed our quail population and our pheasant population. We've actually started to see some around the farm here. Mm-hmm. So it helps them, um, give them nesting cover. It gives the turkeys nesting cover and gives us a place to turkey hunt. Um, but we're super, super safe about it. So we go in, make sure we establish really, really good burn lines. So I'll go in, I got a little brush hog. It's six foot wide. We usually mow at least a 12 foot ring around everything we're going to burn. And then, uh, we go through the backpack blower, blow off all the dead material that I mowed there just to make sure we got a really, really good, um, burn line there. And usually most of the time when we light our fire, it'll hit that burn line. It'll go out on its own. We really don't have to do a whole lot with it. Um, but then we always burn when the wind is right. We'll never burn where say it could possibly blow it down into the timber or possibly blow some sparks or something like that across our burn line. And then, uh, we go and light and, um, we always light our downwind side or our upwind side and, uh, let it, let it kind of carry through. And, um, we have the backpack blowers. We always have a spray truck there with water in it just in case it does make a jump. Um, but we always burn when the humidity is high. Typically, uh, 40 to 50% is getting pretty low. We typically like to burn when it's above that okay. just so the fire can't go anywhere. It makes it a lot easier to blow out too. Um, so we usually try to burn in the evenings when the humidity is rising. So a lot of times we'll, a lot of times we'll actually go light a fire. And if there's just a couple little spots that are still burning, we'll make sure they're contained by that black, ashy burned area and then we can actually go and start burning another area and because that humidity is rising a lot of times it will go out on its own so we're super super safe about it we didn't have anything get away from us this year so knock on wood it stays that way next year (laughs) Forrest posted a picture of of the burn a, a week or two ago and it just looks like insanity behind him like obviously it's under control they know what they're doing but it's still scary as yeah. I'll get out to think that you're lighting this big fire in a wild place, but, it, but it is so good for the, for the ecosystem. And it's really a, a, something that a lot of people do. I mean, you, you think about like, you know, where we, where we live, you, that would never obviously happen in the suburbs, you know, anywhere near yeah. the suburbs, but it's a pretty common practice and farmland all, you know, all across the Midwest, you know, I, I can't speak towards the Northeast or the South. I assume in the South, they probably do a lot of that as well, but, um, you know, it's a pretty common practice, but you know, a guy like Forrest that like, you know, his background, he, he understands it, you know, it's kind of more or less trained in it. Right. You understand what needs to happen and why, and, uh, to have a guy like that, kind of heading it up is key. (laughs) You don't want some guys like, yeah, I watched a couple of YouTube videos. I think we're, we're good to go here. (laughs) We actually, we had to take a fire class in college. That was part of one of my college classes was actually fire, but we, we did a lot of burning in timber in college. Like when we did that, it was more focused towards the forestry side, but uh, the warm season grass side goes the same way. And then having our neighbor too, uh, Jason, he's, he's super, super awesome. He worked on the burn unit for MDC for, 
almost 20 years. So having a guy like that too, like he's really, really, really helpful in that. Where, what was the name of your college? Cause I, I get asked this quite a bit, like, Hey, you know, would love to get into the outdoors. What, you know, what, what should I go look into as far as like, what kind of, you know, classes or do I just start working for you or what, you know, what, where was it that you had gone to school? No, I went to Southern Illinois university, Carbondale, um, down there. It, they have a really, really, really good forestry program. Um, it's part of their ag college there. So that's where I went for, I was there for five years. And then I think, isn't there one in, uh, Branson, Missouri as well, a school that, does, that kind of I'm trying to think what the college name of, of the Ozark. No, that's, yeah, that's Branson. I, yeah. I, I don't know. If they I'm almost positive. There. There's a program down there because one of Mark's guys, um, our Branson expert is nodding. Yes. Is it college? Yeah. Yeah. College of those are right so, again. Okay. <laughs> gets old. That's it? old. It really gets does. old from this spot. I tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I just know there's a few programs out there that specialize in that type of thing. And you know, that's a, that's an interesting field to get into. And, and there, yeah. it, honestly, that market for that kind of guy, there's more and more big farm owners or land managers that, that need that kind of expertise or sure. even not just working directly for one person, but having your own business and, and, you know, going to, to hire yourself out. A lot of guys uh-huh. specialize in that. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the forest service employees, uh, folks that do that too. Yeah. Uh, but definitely hard work and requires a lot of prep and a lot of like experience and education. I, yeah, I definitely want to be a part of it sometime. Go up to dad's. Yeah. I, w- I want to come <laughs> up next year and be a part of that. Oh, it's burning. Some, it's literally probably I don't know. I like shed hunting a lot. And I, like, I love the farming side of stuff, but burning is, I, I love doing it. I'm a little bit of a pirate when it comes I'm to that. I'm surprised guess. you didn't say the filming was your favorite part. Oh, I love That's implied. <laughs> Spending every day for four months with Terry. <laughs> I'm shocked oh, that's great. not your favorite. Oh, I love that too. But mm, in the in favorite springtime activity, okay. fall, fall activity is filming Terry. So, so turkey season's coming up and you, you know, that this is, I, Anytime that I'm in camp with these guys during turkey season, you see how rough it can be. I mean, you think, oh, they're just hunting all day, but no, basically they got to get up at the, you know, butt crack of dawn and then they hunt for X amount of hours. Missouri season ends at one. And then typically maybe you might get a a nap if Terry goes to take a nap, but basically you got to go get, get to work because that's planning season, right? That's when you guys jump on the tractors and you start doing all that work. Yeah, turkey season can it can get pretty long. You get pretty wore out. I mean, we get up at shoot. I mean, get up at three thirty, four o'clock. Get camera gear ready, all that stuff. Go out and hunt. Come back and have to cook Terry a big breakfast. <laughs> have to cook Terry a big breakfast. <laughs> How many so eggs? Go out, and, go out and strike and hunt till uh, one o'clock there in Missouri. That's when it goes out. Go back to camp, grab a bite to eat. Usually, hop in a tractor and run oh. till. I mean, if it's dry and we're run really till dark, to, uh, you may run till shoot. I mean, we planted a couple of days last year till 10, 11, 12 o'clock and uh, then get up again. Then that goes take basically take a nap and get up and do it again. You get pretty wore down pretty quick. Yeah. Turkey season is brutal on regular people that aren't doing this work. <clears throat> just the schedule of it. Like you're turkey drunk by two. At the yeah. Afternoon, you're just no good. Yeah. But then to like report back to work and keep 
every day for that's, weeks. <laughs> that's unbelievable. The, the year we did, which this would have been before Forrest started working for us, but the year we did King of the Spring, I think it was spring of 11 or spring of 12, some, somewhere in there. Um, it was brutal. And you've never seen two crabbier people than Mark and Terry. I mean, it was just, it was a lot. They, there was 20, there was a lot of days where it was 20 hour days, 20, 21 Ugh. hour days. And that was a three week grind. The show was still to this day, my favorite thing we've ever done. I mean, yeah. it is, have you ever watched that? Parts of it. It is so fun. It's just a fun, funny, uh-huh. you know, just produced differently than anything we've ever done. We put a lot, I mean, we put a lot of work, effort, time, uh, money into it and, and it turned out great, but man, like day two, everybody was so crappy. It was, it was a long, long process. Yeah. So, and it was a tough season. That was, um, if I remember right, it was a real, warm season it's it, honestly it may be a lot like what we're fixing to get here because i think it's going to be a warm dry potentially sure seems spring like it. Yeah. and uh that that's how it was that year except for opening day was so cold and we had the at that time i think he was the president of the outdoor channel in as a guest and kyle mcclellan was the other guest who at the time was still playing ball and they had just just won the world series so yeah it would have been spring of 12 because we won okay. Yeah, in in eleven. So um, they came in, and it was freezing, raining, windy. It just Perfect. it sucked. The day sucked. Kyle didn't end up killing anything. I think Tom did kill one, but he got scoped. Oh, great! <laughs> yeah. So it was just like here's the you know the, the first day of this three week grind has started off so bad, and then after that, it was every day was just. Tr- of course, Mark did well. His team did really well. Yeah. What do you expect? Uh, Terry's team struggled a little bit i was on terry's team team t-bird so it was but it was to this day the most favorite project i've ever been a part of here at drury outdoors so cool just a neat neat experience i I was my daughter uh, it was bath time last night we're getting ready for bed and everything and she was she had to go back to school today they were off yesterday and she's like i just want to retire i can't (laughs) wait to retire she's nine years old and i was like the secret of life is it's in the fight like it's because when people stop moving, when they stop trying for things, that's when like your life kind of falls apart. You don't have purpose. And you look back on stuff that was hard oh, yeah. and challenging. You're like, that was awesome. I, it sucked in the moment, yeah. but it, was, it ended up being so meaningful. A hundred percent agree. When I think back on life, the trying to, you know, working up to being an Eagle Scout or the hardest classes in college or, you know, wrestling practice or anything that was hard and sucked. It was always looking back at like, man, I'm glad I didn't quit. hundred percent. Right? Yeah. You know, I'm glad I gutted through it. And at the end, you're like, you know, that wasn't too bad. Exactly. You know, so you don't, you don't really remember just how bad it sucked. You, you, you remember how uh-huh. fun it was or what came out of it, what came from it. Yeah. So like all the turkey seasons we've had and probably this upcoming turkey yeah. season. <laughs> and, and so, and so Forrest has a great memory that he made this turkey season, getting a hunt with his dad. Pretty cool. So already out of the gate, where'd you guys go? Uh, we went down there to Alabama and hunted with one of his friends, uh, Mark Brenner. Um, luckily, we got a bunch of rain and stuff, so it was super wet up here. So Terry was like, yeah, go ahead and go down there. So uh, we went down there. We each had a tag, and uh, the weather sucked away down there. It was like 10 to 12 mile an hour east wind. They had a tornado go through on Thursday before we got there. And uh, perfect. We didn't, hear, we didn't hear a single gobble at all the first first day pretty much till about four thirty, and 
I had a bird start gobbling, went and made a move, and my dad killed that bird. Literally, we sat down. We were sitting there for like three minutes, and the bird came running in, and uh, he was able to shoot it. That was the first turkey. Um, first first ever? No, he's he's killed okay. turkeys. That was the first one I got to see him shoot since I think the last one I hunted with him was when I was in high school probably. Um, he's filmed me kill a couple of birds, but that's the first one he's ever killed on camera. So he was super, super jacked about that. That's cool. It was, it was just really cool. And then, uh, we continued hunting. I had a tag too, but, uh, just didn't have any luck, but it was just, it was really nice to get to go spend some time with him. And, um, I just, I mean, being eight hours from home, I don't go home very much. Yeah. So it was nice to get to spend a little quality time with him and turkey hunting is kind of his thing. Um, he, he loves turkey hunting. He likes to deer hunt too, but turkey hunting is kind of his bread and butter. Um, he'd rather do that than anything. So it was nice to spend time doing that with him. What does he think about your work and your current job? Um, I mean, he's super proud of me and he loves that I'm getting to do what I love. I mean, um, he always tells people he's like, yeah, he's literally working his dream job and it really is. Um, and he's, I mean, I don't know. He's humble about it, but he definitely, from talking to some of his friends, he's like, he's super proud of you. Yeah. Which makes me happy because that's all I want to do is make me want to make your parents proud and stuff. So my parents are both both really happy for me. Heck yeah, yeah, that's awesome. You guys got to go turkey hunt, and yeah, I, I think that's like especially sons. Like our our main goal in life is to make our dads proud. Like that's that's all we really are are aiming to do. And and it's cool that you got to take him on a hunt and put him on you know on camera and have that experience. He mentioned that east wind. You I've heard Mark and Terry talk about that a lot, how hard turkey hunting can be knell. on an east wind. And I don't I don't know why that would be. I, I guess maybe it's a little irregular and they just shut down on it. I I don't know. I, I don't know. we should ask Mark that, but you hear him talk about that quite a bit. Yeah. So we got East lucky. <laughs> lucky that the tornado didn't blow the turkeys two two counties over or something. That's a that's a crazy scenario to come in and hunt afterwards. Well, uh, our buddy Joshua has a question for us, so why don't we help him out? That's we me have papers. getting my paper. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the question of the day is brought to you by Leopold Optics. Be relentless. Hey guys, my name is Josh Giles. Hey Josh. I had a question for you guys. Maybe you'd be able to answer. Uh, best. We have a 8,000 acre lease that we've been hunting on for, this will be the 11th season now. And my question is, uh, the landowner came in and actually uh, started timbering the property. He's going to do a, a uh, mass cut on it. <laughs> Uh, throughout deer season so i know this deer season is kind of a little bit of a bust for us being that the machinery and everything's going to be on the property uh, but my question is going into maybe the following season and the next two or three seasons uh, what can we do to improve on otherwise uh, somewhat in- unfortunate uh, setting that we're going to be dealing with you know as far as um is there anything that we can do to improve the habitat for the deer or do I just kind of have to wait for things to grow up and thicken up? Um, we're still going to put the same food plots in that we put in every year. And, uh, if you guys could shed any light on that, I would greatly appreciate it. Forrest, I'm going to defer to you, buddy. What do you think? I mean, that's, that's definitely a big undertaking. I mean, this, this deer season, you might actually not be as bad off as you think. Cause I mean, like where we're logging right now, um, 
actually I was in there the other day, the loggers weren't in there and I went in there with fresh deer tracks all over in the mud and stuff. So the deer sometimes are, if, as long as you don't hunt right where the loggers are at that time or whatever, you might actually not be bad this season, but um, it's definitely going to thicken it up a lot uh, depending on how many trees they take out. I mean, from what you said, mass cut, I'm assuming that's kind of more of a clear cut, which is taking all the trees. Um, that's definitely going to thicken it up. You could go in in the future and um, definitely mow some lanes, um, just kind of direct deer where you want them. If they're just taking the logs and leaving the tops, you could kind of push those tops into areas where deer typically bed already um, and give them a little bit more bedding cover. That's kind of what we did on our farm here is um, the deer kind of like the bed um, on these little, just off the, the, the ridges in these little kind of ditches almost. We pushed a lot of our tops in there to kind of create bedding cover. So you could definitely do that. Um, go in, I guess you could um, use that. If they cleared out any areas, maybe add some food plots possibly. If they cleared out, go in there with a stump sure. ripper or something and rip out some, make some new food plots. So that's, that's actually what I was thinking. It, it may be an opportunity to get a new area to hunt in the long run. It, it certainly, they're logging during the deer season. It's not <laughs> ideal. Tough. It's tough, but I think he's doing the right thing. Putting his, still putting his food plots in There's They're going to be somewhere near there. They're not just totally yeah. going to abandon it, but obviously they do not like intrusion. Um, I think, you know, I saw you guys the other day on your stories, you were, <clears throat> you were, seeding was it just grass seed what were you putting yeah. down on like where the where they had already done the work it looked like you guys were kind of making it a little more manicured uh for the long run yeah well i mean you know terry likes to have because of the park or whatever the farm up here but we went <laughs> in and uh, jerry came up one of his operators he came up and we we like i said we pushed all those tops into the kind of the ditches off the edge of those ravines and stuff to uh give them bedding cover then we went and we smoothed it all out we just planted a beef pasture mix on there it's just got uh, some fescue grass and stuff in there we didn't want to add food up there because we had some big food plots right below that um so we don't want the deer up in the timber eating we wanted to come out to our food plots there but um say we did have an opening in there where we wanted to create a food plot it would have been really really easy to do that but i was just seeding normal grass in there just to uh, help stabilize the soil so we didn't get any erosion off those ridges mm. yeah what about you tim any advice yep. i think you guys are right <laughs> nice job i'm just shooting from the hip <laughs> the uh in deercast we have an article from evan osgood one of my buddies that lives in like marion iowa and they had that derecho come through this past year knocked down a bunch of mature uh, trees and and the whole premise was like how do you hunt after that because a lot i mean literally it's like an inland hurricane came through and knocked over all these big stands of trees. And he was thinking the deer would be gone from there, but he actually killed a nice buck. They were there. They were, they were traveling in different patterns than they had been before, literally because they couldn't get through where yeah. they, where they used to on, on their old trails. But I think sometimes deer are a little more adaptable than we give them credit for might create new pinch points or new, yeah. you know what I'm funnels. Like you're saying, I mean, might be an opportunity in the long run to find a new place to hunt or a new opportunity. 100%, so. Yeah. You, I, I think you mentally just have to be willing to reconceptualize the space and just be flexible with it. Let's be honest when somebody, you know, and it's so, something as invasive as that logging going in a deer season, they, mentally it pretty much shuts you down. You're like, why bother? Yeah. Yeah. Like this is brutal. Yeah. I mean, it is, that's brutal, but you know, Hey, especially <laughs> if you don't have any other options, like yeah, <laughs> figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. How about the wildlife word? How about it? Yeah. Let's do it. Woo. 
It's brought to you by Hunter Specialties, makers of the brand new HS Strut line of Dre Outdoors Signature Calls. Which one of our hardcore podcasters, Stephen Esch, bought the whole line. I saw that. And uh, posted them up in DeerCast. It was cool to see that. I saw somebody commented that uh, we, when we were running the calls, uh-huh. not bad, but you're no Mark Jury. It's like, oh, no, kidding. Well, <laughs> yeah, thanks for telling us something we didn't already know. Let okay. me tell you, I could practice all day, every day. <laughs> Never going to happen. Yeah. Mark's part turkey. Uh, okay. So uh, so this question is about turkeys. Uh, turkeys often detect hunters because they have this superpower. Hmm. Is it A, precognition, B, ability to see in the UV spectrum, ultraviolet, C, the ability to detect utter desperation, <laughs> C. or D, both B and C? Forrest, what do you think, bud? A is precognition. B is ability to see UV light. C is the ability to detect utter desperation or both B and C. I'm going to go with B. I'm not sure. That sounds right, though. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> I Pressure's on. Don't know what precognition is. I think it, <laughs> I know what it means. <laughs> it means knowing things in the future. Yeah. See, I knew that. Okay. Wow, you just precognitive to me. Exactly. Man, that's chess. I'm going to go I'm playing a, checkers over here. Exactly. I'm going to go with B. <laughs> uh, so B is correct. I would have also accepted D because yeah, uh, C is definitely. They seem to smell the desperation on yeah. me sometimes. Especially when right before you're getting ready to shoot and they start. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Their head goes wide and they're like, yeah. oh, I don't like what's going on yeah. here. It's like, what did you see? My, my, my pupil dilate or something? something. You know how we can hear them spitting and drumming? Maybe they hear your heartbeat. <laughs> like, very well could be. You know what I mean? Like, I can smell his fear. To me, turkey hunting, like, I'll never forget some of the early moments going with dad and hearing two things really stood out to me that hooked me on turkey hunting. Mm-hmm. One was the sheer loudness of a gobble. Oh yeah. Like it's stark. Oh, like unbelievable when you're clo- close to it in their gobbling, especially if say you're in a holler or, you know, like just echoing through there like th- that. I'll never forget here in my first one and spitting and drumming, especially if they're behind you and you're just like, the hair in the back you can't, stand you up. can't move you. It's somewhere. I don't know where it's at. And that noise their hair, basically their feathers, you're standing up, yeah. your hair standing up. Like those are two things. If you're not a turkey hunter that, <clears throat> I mean, hooks you the first time you experience it, like nothing you've ever experienced before. I, I, I took Sophie out last year and, and we had a gobbler at maybe 30 yards, but he was in some cedars. There was no clear shot, but he was gobbling his head off. And she was just like, I didn't know they did that. Yeah. Like, like crazy. so loud. Like how's, how are these sounds coming out of this stupid bird? <laughs> the, the, they're amazing animals for sure. But yeah, they, they see ultraviolet light. So if you're not careful and you wash your clothes in detergents that have UV brighteners, which most kind of, with mo, which most regular household detergents have, it almost like makes you glow blue in their vision. You may not have experienced this, but I have. So in the, I'm on a, a correlation here. Okay. So in college, Say you're out at a bar, you're hypothetically. at so, so, hypothetically, you. you're at buddy's out, you know, house party, and they got all those blue lights or whatever. Okay. And then you look down and you see a, a path down your jeans <laughs> of ultraviolet. Like it is a real thing. Let me tell you. Yeah. So that made me, cause I used to, you know, 
in college, you just like, all right, throw the laundry in and you just oh, right, pour, yeah. pour the, the detergent over the top of it. What you need to do is fill the, the barrel up first or whatever. Household tips. Yeah. The basin. Yeah. The basin. Fill that up first with water and detergent. Let it get mixed up a little bit. Then put the clothes. Cause in. you had one like spill spot that was clean on your clothes <laughs> and the rest was still. Yeah. You're like, what happened to that? Well, it doesn't look like a spill spot. Let me tell you. Um, how do I do this? <laughs> Looks like something. And you don't want to be that guy that's yeah, right. UV all over your jeans. <laughs> Matt seems that's- to avoid the UV parties. <laughs> but like, that's just another way turkeys pick us off see i was even though i wasn't hunting back then in college i was learning things that are pertinent today in the lifelong process it has been (laughs) there's a lot to learn tim at a bar Uh, (laughs) hypothetically hypothetically for us any parting shots any words of wisdom for any buddy land managers out there maintenance i don't know chase your dreams go for it i mean you never know unless you try I don't know. Someday you too might work for Terry. Drew. You, you never know when you might be able to work 80 hours a week and <laughs> for a thankless be careful, boss. <laughs> be careful what you ask for. <laughs> no, okay. Parting shot, real parting shot. What's it like to work for Terry? I love it. I mean, I really do. It, it is a lot of work. Like as you, as most people don't see all the behind the scenes work and see all the hours that go into it. Um, but it is super rewarding. I mean, yeah, you bust your butt all summer and stuff. But when it hits fall and stuff, it is a lot of work getting up and hunting every day. But it's super awesome. I mean, you get to see a bunch of stuff. You get to go out. and yeah. um, I mean, it, it's I, I absolutely love it. So He's the right I, man for the job. Yeah, so last question is, do you prefer when Terry is there or is not there? You're going to get poor Forrest <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I love when he's up here. It's always fun and I mean, yeah, we bust our butt when we're working and stuff. At the end of the day, we always sit down and I don't know. What, what real outer? Yeah. What amazes me about Terry, he his motor never stops. He uh, just sure. never stops going. It's yeah. from the time he wakes up, which is early, and he'll tell you. He's texting you. <laughs> Woke up at three thirty nine today. Uh, the badge of honor. <laughs> oh yeah, but uh, he never stops, man. He's sixty four, I think. Sixty four, going to be sixty five okay. this year, I think, or sixty three, sixty four, somewhere in there. It's horrible. I don't know, but. You know, the guy has worked his whole life, literally his whole life that way from sunup to sundown and, and, uh, he doesn't stop. So if you're going to yeah. hang out with him, you're going to work for him. Like he, his expectations are really, really high. Um, but you, you, there's a lot that you can learn if you can put up with the, that ball bash. <laughs> <along the way. laughs> yes, yes. So, you know, force is a good guy and, and a hard worker because he's, how long have you been here now? Uh, this is, this will be my fourth turkey season here. He's made it three years longer than the last. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's going to work out. (laughs) Forrest, thanks for taking some time. I know you're about to head off and do some more work on the property, but we appreciate you stopping in. I'll let Terry know that, uh, that it was your idea to be on the podcast. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, wait, Forrest spent how much time on the podcast? (laughs) Who would bugging us about it? (laughs) All right. right, We appreciate you, buddy. Good luck. And hopefully I'm going to see you here in another week and a half, two weeks for turkey season. So. Yeah, bring bringing Cam up. We're gonna, you know what? This year I'm bringing up some ribs. We're gonna, we're gonna smoke on the Cabela smoker. It's gonna be a good time. Smoker, am I gonna smoke? I, I love smoking. I'll do the smoking. 
Perfect. I got the perfect rib recipe, man. I got got my hours down and everything. I got it. Sounds good. So cool. All right. Well, thanks everyone for watching and or listening. Until next time. Appreciate it. Peace out. DeerCast is giving you the chance to hunt with Mark and Terry Drury. Head over to DeerCast.com to enter.